Welcome to Author Chat, a bi-weekly podcast featuring interviews, discussion, and conversation with some of the best authors from Morgan James Publishing. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Author Chat. Joining me today is Seth Green, the founder of Ultimate Marketing Magician and future Morgan James author. Thanks so much for being here today, Seth. Uh, thank you so much. My pleasure. Happy to serve you and the other fellow Morgan James authors. Uh, we're, we're very lucky to have you with us, um, especially with your wonderful expertise um, on marketing uh, for authors and books. If you could, uh, just for a couple minutes, explain or you know who you are and, and what you do. Absolutely. So I am the founder of Market Domination LLC, which you can find at ultimatemarketingmagician.com. Um, we are one of the fastest growing privately held direct response marketing firms in the country. Um, we serve everyone from the individual bricks and mortar business owner um, to author, speaker, coach, consultant, thought leaders um, that are your publishing clients. And um, we've been doing it for quite a long time with amazing results. About how long have you been doing this for? Um, eight years. That is a long time. Um, and given given the, the length that you've been change in trends, what kind of things have you seen um, along the way that um, continue to be effective for authors or are no longer effective for authors? I think you are absolutely right. There is quite a bit, there's a constant change almost. So we've seen everything from the rise of Facebook to Periscope and Meerkat and Blab and Instagram uh, to podcasting becoming such an incredible platform for authors to get their message out and, and widen their reach and dramatically increase their book sales and the other ancillary revenue they make from having a book. So I think that it's really, there has never been a more exciting time to be an author since Gutenberg invented the printing press. That is a very bold statement. Um, can you, can you elaborate on that? Sure. I mean, if you think about it, um, many, many, you know, even 15, 20 years ago, you, the only way to be an author was to be one of the hundreds of thousands of manuscripts submitted to traditional publishers and hope that someone else, you know, a 21-year-old publishing intern chose you to get to the top of the pile and hopefully some editor looked at your book and liked it. Now, one of the first questions publishing companies will ask the author is, you know, what's your marketing platform for the book? Mm -hmm. So to a certain extent, the publisher, the regular publishers, not Morgan James, of course, but the regular <laughs> publishers are doing less and less work um, for the royalties that they're getting. And the authors are expected to do more of it. But the beauty is when the author takes over ownership of, let's say, the marketing and promotion of the book, they get control of it. They can do a whole lot better job and no one's going to care more about their book than they are and getting their message out than they are, which can dramatically, they can have much better results than let's say a traditional publishing company that was only allocating, you know, a tiny percentage of time and money to that particular author because they have so many. That, that's a good point. Um, and, and that sort of goes along with the rise of self-publishing. 
Absolutely. The author can choose themselves and say, I'm going to be in total control of this process. I'm going to use CreateSpace and Kindle and Amazon and get this book out there myself and keep much more of the royalties. But then again, obviously, there is something to be said for the imprint of an actual book publisher. You know, publishing yourself on Amazon isn't going to get you to the most likely to the New York Times bestseller list. It's certainly not going to get you in Barnes & Noble on a bookshelf. So there are pros and cons. Absolutely. Um, but let's go back and talk about um, the responsibility of the traditionally published author when it comes to marketing and publicity of the book. That's sort of where you specialize. Yes. So what have you seen authors do that has been extremely effective for marketing their book? And what are some things you've seen them do that have not had an impact at all? I think what has the biggest impact is what we're seeing right now is the authors using podcasting or live streaming video to interview people who could potentially get their book out to a large number of their ideal customers at once. So for example, that's using the leverage uh, that we teach and that we do for our clients. So on a small local level, it could be the pediatric dentist interviewing 20 pediatricians in his town and getting them to share the message with their patients, which then turns into new patients for the pediatric dentist. It could go all the way up to somebody like Joel Kahn, whom or Brian G. Johnston, who might be interviewing a Dan Kennedy or a Roland Frazier or an Armin Morin, you know, folks who have done my podcast, who when they tweet out, share out, email out, hey, Joel, I was on Joel Com's show today. You know, millions of people are seeing that, which has the opportunity to sell a whole lot more of Joel's books. So um, networking then? In a virtual way, strategically for leverage, yes. It would be bringing networking into the 21st century. I just did an interview on the BNI podcast with Dr. Ivan Meisner, who's the world's foremost expert in networking and referrals. And the title of it was Bringing Referrals into the 21st Century. And we were talking about this exact strategy. That's very interesting. Would you mind sharing a couple uh, strategic tips for people who are listening? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Um, so if uh, one, I would think um, – for your podcast or whatever platform you're using, whether it's Periscope or Blab, I would say the people that you want to interview are the people that you would want referrals from. So who has your ideal customer as their customer? And that's the person you want to interview because by sharing your podcast with their customer base, they're basically endorsing you. And we take it to the next level where we take our clients' podcasts once they have enough episodes and we turn them into a book. So we have them interview guests that we do the marketing to get all around a certain theme. So, you know, the financial planner might interview estate planning attorneys and CPAs and nursing home directors and write a book on estate planning trends. And then now that the book is written by the interview process, as opposed to actually writing the book, so it's much faster and much easier than physically banging out a book. Now that a state planning attorney is going to buy, you know, you're not going to get the New York Times bestseller, but they're going to buy 500 copies and hand them out to all their clients because they look good because they're in a book, thus driving their clients back to my client, in this case, the financial advisor. 
That is a really interesting strategy. I especially like what you said about, um, and we had talked about this earlier, um, turning your podcasts into a book, but using the interview technique um, to find content. I think when people sit down and they think about, oh, I'm going to write a book, they get very overwhelmed with word counts and chapters and everything. But suggesting to use interviews as the foundation of your content is, is interesting. Yeah, it's been working really well for all of our clients that we've done it for. And every time I share this idea, people say, oh, I never would have thought of that. And why didn't I think of that? And the interesting thing about it is that it's a, it not only gets you a book, but if you think about each transcription, the interview might be 5, 10, 15 pages. So though that you could easily split up into a number of blog posts. Mm-hmm. Then you could easily split that up into social media content for weeks. So we're supposed to be posting on social media every day. We're supposed to be writing a blog. We're supposed to be writing a book. And you could do all three at the same time with one amount of work. for it. And then let's say you did that interview as you know a Google Hangout. Well, now you've got video that goes to YouTube and goes on your website. You can suck the audio out, and the audio is now an MP3 that could go on your website or be burned to a CD and physically mailed to people. And then, of course, the audio gets edited and put to iTunes, and now you've got a podcast. Wow, that is a fascinating way to look at repurposing content. Thank you. I had, you know, I had never thought of that before. Like you think about it in terms of all the little bits and pieces, but you never, you know, I think I'm not going to say never or everyone, but I think I don't think a lot of people realize just how much you can get from a half an hour interview. And I suppose right. that that's sort of where you try and steer your clients. So they're not only maximizing their content, but it also maximizes their time and their reach. Exactly. Because if you could do one interview one time and have it provide all of that content in all of that different places, think about what a leverage, what a use of their time, what a better use of your time that is. Yes. I think that's a a wonderful use of your time, especially when everyone is saying how hard pressed they are for time, but everyone wants to have those, you know, the quote unquote side hustles. Exactly. It's a way of fitting it all in together without compromising some of the other things like spending time with family and sleeping. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Sleep is important. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, I just want to go back to something you said um, earlier about reaching out to guests um, for your interviews, podcast, um, whatever format you're using, who have the target market you'd like to reach. What if you are someone who has a small platform or is just getting started and you're a little apprehensive about reaching out to someone like Joelcom who has a huge reach? Um, do you have any tips for people to sort of overcome the nervousness or things that they can do that make them stand out to get? Absolutely. So, I'll, for example, Joel has one of the top-selling iPhone apps, iFart. So he puts his pants on one leg at a time just like the rest of us and thinks farts are funny just like a lot of people. So he's just as human as you are. So I wouldn't be nervous. Second of all, I mean, we started a podcast for a golf coach called The Outdoor Boardroom. And we, on that show, 
our client, Gary Okino, interviews large company, Fortune 500 company, Inc. 500 company CEOs who golf about, you know, business and life lessons learned on the golf course. And when we started that show, he had 10 listeners and nine of them were my staff. So <laughs> the, the thing is, the, to the majority of people, podcasts are so new, they don't even know what questions to ask. So we were executing marketing campaigns to the PR departments of Fortune 500 companies in really big companies um, saying media appearance for your CEO. And they were responding right away and saying, oh, my, he'd love to do it. That would be phenomenal. Thank you so much. Nobody said, you know, Joel Tom would know to ask this, but nobody else was saying, how many listeners do you have? How many downloads do you have? Because it's so new to most people, they don't even know the numbers to look for. So mm-hmm. just by doing it, you probably know way more than anyone you're going to interview, as long as it's not Joel. So <laughs> I would suggest, A, don't worry about it. And B, the people like Joel, who are incredibly successful, also tend to be the most generous with their time and willing to help other people on their way up. That That's, I think, a great point. Um, that, you know, and it, it, it goes back to the whole you never know what's going to happen if you don't ask. And I think that it, it's just getting over that intimidation factor of, oh, my goodness, I'm asking so-and-so to come onto my little podcast right but they don't know it's little and everybody started you know joel didn't start on day one with you know a million downloads neither did nathan chan they all grew it that's true and and and, you know everyone's hoping for that like big guest watershed moment (laughs) so you never know what it could be for you i I guess right exactly so you don't um, know until you try exactly exactly so um if you wouldn't mind just talking for a couple minutes about some things you've seen people execute or, or try to execute that in theory sound great, but failed or didn't work either due to poor execution or just a poor platform or what have you. So sort of people know we have a, a great foundation for what they should be doing. Um, any suggestions for what they shouldn't be doing? Um. Sure. Let's go work backwards. Okay. So what um, they should be doing is, all right, let's talk, about, let's talk about what they shouldn't be doing. And they shouldn't be doing all the work themselves. They should be outsourcing it, whether it's to us or someone else. The only thing they should be showing up and doing is the actual, for example, on a podcast is the interview. Because it should be their voice on the air. And it should be them on the air building a relationship with their interview subject. Everything else from the cover art to the audio editing to the marketing to get the guest to the marketing of the show, turning it into a book, marketing the book, all of that can be done by us or another firm. So they don't need to be doing any of the technical work. They shouldn't be wasting time, you know, learning how to edit audio. They should be outsourcing all of it and doing the high value activities that only they can do, which in this case would be doing the interview or if they're writing a book, the old-fashioned way um, they should be writing the ones writing the book um, almost everything else can be outsourced and should be because if you think about what is your time worth when you're serving your ideal client then everything that you can hire someone to do for less than that dollar amount you should outsource I, I agree that you know you know outsourcing certainly has its its place but what if someone listening can't afford to outsource 
Um, okay, so if you can't afford to outsource, then you're going to have to uh, start off doing it. Your, uh, first of all, it's cheaper than you think. But if you're going to be doing it yourself, I would say you need to let go of any perfectionism you might have. So you don't need to go spend $300 on a microphone. You don't need the best video camera. Content and the quality of your content matters a whole lot more than the quality of your audio and video. I had a one of I did a, one of my most listened to podcast interviews is when I interviewed Dan Kennedy, and we for that interview because Dan doesn't make available you know a direct line to call him on, <laughs> and we did a I think free conference call or Uber conference, and for whatever reason whether it was the phone number he was calling in from or, or something we had audio or whether there was a storm in Cleveland the audio quality sucked, cut in and out. It, well, he had to repeat things. Um, it was probably our worst audio quality episode. However, because of the content that we talked about and because of who he was, it was also one of our most listened to episodes, and nobody cared about the audio. So people care a whole lot less about whether you're recording on Skype or Google Hangout or Zoom or Blab than you think. So you have to get out of your own way and realize as long as they can hear you or see you, it'll be okay. The content is what matters. That definitely highlights the importance of, you know, as you keep saying, content is king. And I think that what you just said is all fabulous advice um, to people who do get stuck in their own head and, and think that they can't release anything out into the world until it's perfect and polished. Right. So there are a lot of people who feel that way. Yeah, I, I, I'm one of them, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've mentioned your company um, a few times. Um, would you like to talk about that for a couple of minutes and just sort of give listeners an idea of what your company does? I know we talked about it briefly at the beginning, but if you wanted to go into a little more in a little more detail. I would love to. So it started out as just me and one client and has grown to a wonderful staff of fabulous people and serving thousands of clients, you know, hundreds to thousands of clients all over the globe. And we are a direct response marketing firm, so we are not here to spend millions of dollars of your money to try and get your brand out there. Our goal is every penny you invest in your marketing should have a trackable return on investment associated to it. And we do everything from direct mail to social media to podcasting to web design um, to Infusionsoft build-out to copywriting and video production to TV and radio ads. So basically, if there's a way to make a form of media direct response, we will do it. That is a very comprehensive menu of services. And if someone wanted to buy from your menu of services, how can they find your company or you? We will make your listeners an ir- what I hope is an irresistible offer. <laughs> if they go to ultimatemarketingmagician.com, they can download a free copy of the advanced manuscript of my new book, Market Domination for Podcasting. They will also get access to a free live training webinar with me where I walk them through the process we use to create a podcast and a book for our clients. Um, So they will learn exactly what we do and how they can do it too. 
And then, of course, after that, we will expose them to everything else we have to offer as well. And that is at ultimatemarketingmagician.com. I've taken a look at the site. I highly recommend people go check it out. Um, and Seth, if people wanted to find you on social media, can they do that? Oh, of course, yes. Uh, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, um, iTunes. You should check out my podcast on iTunes. If you search Direct Response Marketing, you will find me on iTunes. And um, just as a caveat, it's Seth Green with an E on the end. If you search without the E, you'll get the actor. <laughs> Very, very different. Um, yes. Um, and your book that is coming out in 2016? Yes. Um, in the next couple of months. That's very exciting. I'm very much looking forward to having you back on when your book comes out. I am excited to be back on. All right, Seth, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, if anyone wants to find me, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at says Jana, that says J-A-N-A, or you can email me via the morganjamesspeakersgroup.com. Seth, thanks again for being here. It was great talking to you, and everyone else, we'll see you next time.